0: Well, welcome to FinTech Impact, I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Heinrich Zettelmeier, CEO of Blockchain Valley Ventures. Blockchain Valley Ventures is a Swiss-based venture capital firm specifically targeting blockchain investments. Big surprise based on the name, of course. And with that, here's my interview with Heinrich. Hello, Heimrich. Hi, Jason. So thanks for taking the time today.
1: Yeah, and thank you to be on your podcast.
0: Oh, no, it's my pleasure. So Heinrich Zettelmeier, CEO of Blockchain Valley Ventures. Tell us about Blockchain Value Ventures.
1: Yeah, Blockchain Valley Ventures is a venture firm, a new venture firm. We we were founded uh, at the beginning of 2018. We are fully dedicated to the impact of uh, blockchain technology and the blockchain innovation. Um, The reason why we are fully dedicated is because it's such a fundamental innovation and it's so complex in itself as it combines legal, technology, business innovation, that we believe you really need to focus fully on it to get a good grasp of it and especially if you want to make investment decisions you you truly should understand what you're doing
0: in theory right that that, sh- that should be the way right yeah. not always but sometimes yeah.
1: the what, it's yeah. called venture capital so there's always risk because you invest early on and yeah. uh, when you invest early on at the beginning of a journey you don't know everything you you make your hypothesis, you do a uh, Due diligence as good as you can, but of course there are always surprises on the way, and they're good
0: and bad ones. And but at the end there is there is also the return for it. Oh, that's the hope. So tell me about the, the genesis of this. So what led to the formation of uh, Blockchain Valley Ventures?
1: It's a little bit uh, a, a personal story also. When I left IBM in the year 2008, I went straight into venture capital. And I started a bit as an operating partner, did turnarounds of portfolio companies in the digital sector, and then took over actually by nearly by accident as co-CEO of, of ESL, an esports company that I brought them to exit and a very nice valuation. I'm actually still involved in it as a board member. And then okay. I asked myself, what do you do next? And then I uh, said, it's clear I go into one of the big innovations and blockchain, one of them. And I was the first investor in a crypto exchange called Lucke here in Switzerland. It was, yeah. It's a very innovative exchange. And then together with the founder, I built the company until the end of 2017. And then me and and the founder decided that we spin off Actually, our accelerator where we did token offerings. And that all is 2017 in all the frenzy. And then, and we decided also that the topic of venture capital, doing investments in the blockchain space, we needed to do outside of the exchange because that wouldn't work inside because we probably will be one of the first regulated exchanges now so so we needed to separate the business so it's a spin off basically from that exchange and we created a venture capital unit where we have a fund now and uh, We have an advisory team that does token offerings, and we we did the first security token offerings. And uh, we recently added to that a corporate finance business where we do large-scale classic fundraising. And the idea of all of that is that if, if you want to be relevant in the blockchain space and deliver value, you cannot be just an investor. You need to add value. So... You need to be able to do token offerings and understand what this is, because a blockchain business, by definition, sooner or later has also a token. And you need to be able to help the company to raise further money, not just your own, because it's just good governance, uh, uh, having more investors than just yourself. Excellent.
0: So really it's more so, more than just a venture capital firm, you're basically offering, you know, what a lot of business, traditional venture capital firms have done and gotten into the business consultancy side, gotten into the entire value delivery system, right? So someone comes to you with a great idea for a blockchain that's going to solve problem XYZ, you not only have the money to back that, you have the expertise to help them deploy that, to help them do their own, their own ICOs if it comes to that, and really the entire value prop along the entire channel, right?
1: Yes, because I mean, at the very end, that makes us relevant to the entrepreneur and the founders, mm-hmm. because we can help them to take care of their problems. And it's uh, certainly there are other models where venture capitalists are more just one piece. But I think in an emerging industry, when you're in an emerging industry where things are not clear and moving and you need to be a little bit more value adding and a bit broader to be relevant and entrepreneurs come to us either because they they want to do a token offering in 2018 they all came to us because of token offerings (laughs) surprise surprise Uh, yeah because a venture capitalist was a kind of dinosaur that that should not be alive now of course that now entrepreneurs come to us because they want money and that makes us relevant in many aspects
0: and also i mean when you start dealing with the token world, the reality is is that every jurisdiction kind of looks at these things differently, right? So having the knowledge of oh you're operating out of this country, this is how it's looked at. Maybe you want to consider issuing here or operating. Like having that kind of purview of the governance uh, side of this has got to be incredibly valuable and cut through so much wasted time for these people too.
1: Yeah, this is look. This is this is the good thing why why our pedigree is coming from Switzerland. Yeah, because you know. <laughs>
0: The- <laughs> neutrality, because of neutrality, <laughs> that's right. reality, you know. But I mean,
1: you know, it's a bit also, you know, a lucky situation that I'm resident here in Switzerland, but. Switzerland is very pragmatic law, in the good law, and obviously in this crypto world is is, is certainly one of the hotspots, and mm-hmm. especially in terms of token offerings and now security token offerings, it's running ahead, and this is a place where we were able to do things, yeah, compared to the mm-hmm. US, compared to the UK or other places. So there is a a knowledge that has built here that is just ahead of some other markets, and also now we have the first two crypto banks so banks that have a normal yeah. banking license but are able to you know to hold your tokens in custody and do everything and yes this is also possible in the US in Coinbase and others but there starts to be an ecosystem that simply facilitates blockchain business in Switzerland and that is our pedigree but of course we are also in different locations of the world now because okay. blockchain by definition is
0: global absolutely so talk to me about the specific use cases that have been most appealing to you in the last little while for blockchain. Because as we know, like there is a blockchain version of almost everything these days. Yeah. Um, like to the point of simpleness. I mean, like, who was that company during the, during the hype who basically added blockchain to their name and then then saw their stock price increase exponentially? It was like, anyway, so there's all kinds of funny stories out there. But specifically, you know, what uses are you finding to be the most appealing right now?
1: very clearly we we invest in companies that either benefit from blockchain and cryptocurrencies or use it to transform business models yeah yes. and I think very clearly, over forty percent of the blockchain applications and blockchain companies are fintech companies, you know mm-hmm. financial services and what I am think is very exciting, and these are also the investments that are running very well currently is the infrastructure. For all this crypto trading. So we have invested in a company called CoinFirm. They do anti-money laundering services. So they they provide software as a service where banks, blockchain protocols can sign on to provide the anti-money laundering surveillance that you need to operate in the crypto sector. And it runs extremely well because more and more banks are getting into the sector. The blockchain Mm -hmm. protocols are using it. So that's a very attractive company. We also have invested in a company called Keyless. It's very interesting. They use blockchain technology for getting rid of all the private keys and getting rid of all the passwords. And they use cryptographic methods to do that. And with COVID-19, they became very relevant because suddenly with all the remote working, especially the banks ran into a problem. They needed a secure way of getting into into the systems. So financial sector and the infrastructure, so I always call it the puzzle pieces of that emerging infrastructure for crypto and token-based and digital-based trading. And uh, the second sector that I think is very interesting is supply chain yeah. because it doesn't have any regulatory hurdle. You just mm-hmm. only use the blockchain as an immutable registry that everybody has a kind of smartly managed access to it. And one of the most interesting sectors in supply chain management is pharmaceuticals you know, because they have a huge counterfeit problem. On one mm-hmm. hand, and yeah. they have some cumbersome processes, and then also with COVID-19, they need more control over global supply chains. Yeah, and so we have invested in a company called VeraTrack. We are looking at two other companies, and they all develop—they all develop quite uh, nicely. And then it's really surprising how much activity is in the area of supply chain management. But supply chain management and blockchain, you have to look at it by sector, by application. So there is a cluster pharmaceutical, there is a cluster food and wine, and Mm -hmm. there is a cluster industrial and logistics. And each of them have already a different shape of size. You know, there are some where... Big companies like IBM, FedEx, and Merck are active. And there are others, like in the pharmaceutical, where I would claim there is still a, I mean, there are actually 180 companies in supply chain management and pharmaceuticals. But we <laughs> start to see, it's great. You start right to see. for consolidation, say, clearly. <laughs> exactly. That's the point. Yep. That makes it interesting for an investor. If you somehow can spot the companies that could become the leaders and we are at a phase of the industry where you, you you can see, where you would say there is a two handful of companies where you clearly could see they are a bit better set up and they are more ahead than the others and they could become the consolidators. So very interesting for us.
0: Yeah. And it's I say it's an exciting time in the blockchain sphere. I mean, and we're past the, the initial hype cycle of the distraction of the big Bitcoin run up and you know the ICO binge, and we're at, at where where people were looking for the get get rich quick schemes, and now we're actually starting to see the delivery of the promise of what blockchain can actually implement. And uh, you know this has been—it's funny—I had this kind of peak and valley in my crypto conversations on this podcast. You now back during the hype cycle, it was it was all uh, anyone wanted to talk about, and every third person who came to me was 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 doing that, and there was this big lull. And now I'm having these conversations about actual legitimate real life applications that are coming to fruition, and that is incredibly far more exciting to me than the hype cycle, quite honestly. So yeah, so it's you it touched a lot, of, a lot of different verticals there. I mean, finance is obvious. I mean, honestly, they're all a little bit obvious because of the flexibility or the, the way that, that blockchain can be applied across all of these. I mean, you talked about identity. You talked about basically what sounds like asset clearance and supply chain logistics. I mean, to me, to anyone who's looked at logistics, this is incredibly exciting because the amount of time to reconcile all of these supply chain issues just becomes nothing yeah. compared to the current, current situation. So how are you finding, so these companies that you're investing in, in terms of finding product market fit and getting actual consumers, like how how well is that going at this stage? Like are they still kind of in the kind of the early adopter phase or are they kind of moved to the fast follower phase? Like how are things moving for them?
1: Well, we, we live in very difficult times, very clear. Mm-hmm. So basically, let's say like this, I mean, The whole industry is moving out of an early stage industry. So Mm -hmm. it's moving from proof of concepts into pilot projects and rollouts. That I think is the basic scheme. Because I mean, now we are, many companies have been founded in 2017, 2018. They have developed their solutions. Their solutions come to market. They have found the first pilot projects now together with corporate budget cycles. They are getting basically into their first revenues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I would say there are basically three worlds, I would claim. One is the whole world of the unregulated, or unregulated is the wrong word, let's say of the cryptocurrencies and the utility tokens. There Mm -hmm. we have, of course, nice trading volumes, growing trading volumes, and the real business, and you have uh, a lot of companies making revenues, some of them extremely large already, like Coinbase and Binance that are becoming unicorns. Then Mm -hmm. you have a kind of middle layer, it makes between $1 and $20 million revenue already per year, fee revenue. And then you have a bit the companies that either struggle for survival or the newcomers. Then you have the world of the digital assets, tokenized shares, tokenized art, tokenized bonds, mm-hmm. what have you. A market that everybody is seeing and say that is the future, that will come. This is where banks That's look exactly. forward and others, but it's not yet a market. We have 47... Security token exchanges worldwide, a few of them live, but all tiny volumes. It's not a market, but it will come.
0: Yeah. Has not replaced the NYSE at any point just yet.
1: And these companies, of course, they struggle because this is, at the moment, we are in a market in a, where capital has reduced by 50%. Mm-hmm. Token offerings don't yield much money for the company. So we live in a capital constraint situation. And that is a challenge for many also good startups there.
0: I think it's be- a challenge, but let's let also look at the the plus side of it. It also focuses entrepreneurs on absolute essentiality to their business, right? I just yes. actually had a conversation about an hour ago with someone else coming on the podcast, who their competitor raised ninety million when they went out for ten, and yeah. that was basically a death kiss, like a kiss of death, because now to unlock the next level of venture funding, that was, you know basically they got they were told to accelerate their timelines in a business that was not going to grow like a hockey stick and they blew up before they could get to the second round of funding. So it's being resource constrained can create innovation itself and and focuses people. So bad and good is all I'll say.
1: <laughs> yeah, I very sympathize with what you said because I made the same experiences. It is sometimes unhealthy if you get too much money too early. I mean, you need to get enough money to make a breakthrough, but it's sometimes, and I speak with with blockchain companies, they have done ICOs where they raised 50 million, 100 million, but now the first time they need to raise money that they did raise just through an ICO on retail, but now they need to convince institutional investors and they they find it very hard plus they have valuations that are out of the sky yep. and so there are a lot of moments of truth that comes a little bit earlier than they want it yeah? yeah so that's the story yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's a known paradigm in the VC world too much money can be as bad as too as too little
1: yeah and then you have this third sector of companies after you know cryptocurrency trading digital assets which is blockchain for process improvement like supply chain management and we have invested in a company that disrupts the whole opinion research market. Yeah, oh. and so there are a lot of, of course, these blockchain uses that are not necessarily fintech industry. And there we have to be clear: we are a bit in a in a, we are in a depression situation where corporates are cutting mm-hmm. costs and are very careful going forward with any project or, or or even also not going forward. So companies try to hold through and. Their whole ambitions have slowed down a bit, but it will increase mm-hmm. again. I mean, it's clear a medicament will be found, a vaccine will be found. Yeah. And certainly 2021 thinks the whole industry mood, commercial mood will will improve. So it's, it's a question of holding through, using the time well, make sure you have enough resources. But there are a lot of interesting business out there. And the good ones yeah. are easy, nearly easier to find.
0: Yeah, I mean the analogy I always use is the entire dot-com bubble leading into the tech world. Everybody got so distracted by internet companies in the dot-com bubble that we're going to take over everything from but yeah. you know, online book delivery to to pet food delivery. Money was thrown at that. A bunch of them exploded. It didn't invalidate the underlying value proposition of the entire sector. But it made those companies now focus, you know, basically, it culled a lot of the weaker ones, created an atmosphere for the, for the ones who survived to, to thrive. And now, I'd like to say that blockchain is kind of in the early 2000s, right? If you're the, the yeah, com bubble was 99, 2000, you know, we're looking at the early 2000s. A lot of the nonsense has been purged. Stronger cases are starting to emerge newer technologies are starting to emerge. A lot of the 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 ones that actually did not succeed previously, those ideas might still be valid, but they'll probably, if they are valid, they'll come back shortly and someone will do it better having not been part of the life cycle. So I think I, I, it's hard to, I have said before, it's hard to oversimple, it's hard to underestimate just the impact that blockchain is going to have on everyday life behind the scenes. I have a hard time understanding how almost, Every core asset process and financial transaction isn't going to somehow touch a blockchain at some point in the near future. Yeah,
1: very, very clearly. I mean, and that's also what what excites me personally. But I mean, just imagine that there is every week now you have news from central banks, including especially also in the U.S., Mm -hmm. wanting to create first a digital dollar, a digital euro. And when this is coming, that will fulfill the original promise also of Bitcoin and of Libra of facilitating all these payment processes. And that will be a driver of a lot of efficiency improvement in all our daily life, whatever touches basically payments.
0: And tax revenue collection, but...
1: (laughs) Yep. So point all together. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, Exactly. No. Also that. And so very clearly, we will just afterwards, we will look at it and say, oh, yeah, when did that come? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, because I mean, in Facebook with Libra, you know, suddenly we, we have a Facebook app already, then there will be the Facebook wallet coming to that very smoothly. Suddenly, you will be able to make your payment with the Facebook Libra currency. You will wonder, why didn't this come earlier? Same with Amazon, same with Google Pay, same with Apple. All this is happening.
0: I'm one to believe that Libra would see more success a lot faster if it wasn't for the fact it was Facebook backing it, but that's just, (laughs) that's that's not only me.
1: (laughs) Now, that is very clear. I mean, the central banks have realized that if somebody who has over a billion user comes and creates a kind of internal currency between these billion users, that this is a new world currency just by definition. And when they realized that, they, of course, came with the whole armada. I mean, there was a moment last year, last year, August, the amount of American officials being in Switzerland (laughs) to understand what Libra was doing was amazing.
0: Well, it's interesting because your previous uh, career path with the e-gaming side, honestly, I think there was a lot of learnings in digital currencies from e-gaming in itself, right? Like there's entire podcasts and books dedicated to massive deflationary pressures seen in things like Diablo 3, just by mismanagement of central running of currencies that are actually interesting economic case studies. So it's kind of an interesting, you know, e gaming Gaming actually does have an interesting parlay into your current, your current situation.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, let's be aware. Every second person nowadays in the world is gaming. You know, is yep. playing some game from kid to 18-year-old and later. And all of them understand virtual items. And virtual currency and be it the currency, tomatoes, gold, uh, digital gold or whatever it is. So everybody grows up also with knowing I have my little account where I have my digital gold and I need to spend it. And so the topic then of a digital currency is just very easy to understand
0: yeah it's interesting it's the evolution of our concept of wealth in, in general i mean like you got you want there are people who still can't abstract wealth away from gold or from hard physical currency right but in reality you look at most western societies if not most global societies and we all got used to online banking and then we got used to native online and then we're starting to get used to to neobanks and we're getting used to touchless transactions where I rarely have hard currency in my wallet. Almost everything I transact is online. I, I barely, I don't even pull up my credit card anymore because it's, you know, it's a tap on my watch most of the time. So I'm getting, people like me are getting further and further away from the concept of wealth as being anything other than a ledger that's basically recorded somewhere. And there's never a physical manifestation of that. And you're right. Like I think the gaming side, especially with younger kids, they've, they've learned to, they learned that value is not in a physical object. It can be abstracted. And I think that that's only something that's just for the sake of convenience that is something that's only going to continue to grow around the world.
1: Yes, I mean, the, definitely. And then there's there's an interesting phenomenon. I we are working with a company called CoinSource. You know, in the, in the US, they're one of the leaders for crypto ATMs, and they are this business is developing very very well. So a lot of people simply put their cash through these ATMs in cryptos, and it's it's counterintuitive because you say, hey. <laughs> I mean, ATMs is an old-style business, but interestingly enough, these this old-style channels like ATMs, credit, facilitate also very much the adoption of cryptos. Because they are mm-hmm. an, an exit point that we all know, that we feel pumped yes. comp- into that world. And we see it with Bitcoin currently. A lot of people put their cash into Bitcoin because they believe it's something like gold, and it probably is that somehow keeps the value better than an inflating uh, currency. And so it's very interesting currently. And then you have, on the other hand, especially here in the European countries, this pressure to use,
0: not to use cash anymore due to COVID-19. Oh, we're seeing it everywhere here too. And, I mean, yep. Canada, although that's, I just came back from bakery. It still says cash only. So uh, what are you going to do?
1: So this is, it's very clear that we are moving in that world. And this is for me, of course, as an investor an, an opportunity to spot that companies that early on are part of this puzzle. That's our quest.
0: <laughs> Good. An epic one at that and a well-timed one, because I mean, the reality is, is that the next I honestly think some of the next largest companies in the world and, and most value producing companies in the world will be will be heavily blockchain based. I think Andreessen Horowitz in particular, I think it was that basically made a big shift towards specifically targeting nothing but, well, not quite nothing but, but the majority of their targets now are specifically in this space because they know it is, they recognize it as the revolutionary technology that it is. And it's akin to being able to invest in the internet back in its infancy stage. So I, I totally get the appeal of it. I think the, the The thing that makes it unique, though, is the entire token speculation piece of it, right? It's the entire concept of it as a currency alternative or a currency in itself is something unique to any investment opportunity that's existed before. And I think that's one thing with a lot of people struggle with because they just see the the speculation on the price of Bitcoin, which people think is far too volatile for investment, which is interesting because I live in Canada. And when people say it's too volatile to invest in, I'm like, did you... I'm pretty sure our currency went from sixty to a hundred to a dollar ten to back to sixty again. So I don't know about you, but I don't think our currency is that volatile, <laughs> is is that stable compared to, to Bitcoin in some cases.
1: No, this is a uh, look. I mean, the reality is, I, I think um, the, one of the Federal Reserve bankers once pointed out to me that the U.S. dollar yen currency pair is quite volatile. I think it's up to twenty percent volatile. So. Yep, Bitcoin is not more volatile than 20%. It's actually less and surprisingly less uh, over now a period of months. But again, you know, I mean, let's be clear. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, a true cryptocurrency, but it has no backing from any central bank. So it is always in the free flow of market forces. But if enough people are using it, if it's broad enough, it can reach some stability. Yeah. And it's not controlled by anybody. And suddenly we realize that that is, that is actually quite cool benefit. All the other currencies are in reality not currencies. They all have different purposes. I mean, if you take Ethereum, the next big one, Ethereum in itself, the Ether is not a currency. It is Ethereum is a, is a multi-purpose blockchain that... Mm-hmm. Most apps you know? and businesses are using, and the tokens are a kind oh, of license yeah. model, and uh, for for paying for these blockchains. And therefore, I think that's what their focus was. They are not meant as a currency. And then, if you look at the myriad others, everybody everything has its own little purpose. But Bitcoin is a pure play one. Yeah,
0: you know? absolutely. But I mean, that's and that's where that it makes started. So but... unique. Absolutely. So rightly said, and frankly, it uh, you know it all goes back to Bitcoin, no matter how we look at it, because essentially. It's interesting. The original Satoshi paper did not even mention the word blockchain, but the idea was just so, so brilliant and resonated so well off that page. It was taken and, and transformed into something that could that could basically change paradigms around the world. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody, and just to make you think. And the first one is, if you had one wish for something you can change in your business or the industry as a whole, what would it be?
1: Still, that people would be more open in the adoption of the whole topic there is still skepticism there and there is still a lot of misunderstanding and uh, people should more aggressively simply inform themselves about the whole sector about blockchain and cryptocurrencies and such.
0: excellent it's interesting because i find it to be mind-bending for some people to wrap their heads around the entire concept it's <laughs> uh, I, no matter how many times you have this conversation the analogy it's uh, it's difficult the second piece is second question What has been the biggest challenge in your company to where it is today?
1: The biggest challenge at the moment is first on the market is for companies getting funding, getting money. It's the biggest challenge. Technology is there. Awareness of companies is there. Now, suddenly, capital is constrained. And Mm. so the biggest challenge actually is, in fact, at the moment, the COVID challenge, that everybody is taking a backseat a little bit and finding money for companies is a truffle hunt where... There are still com- people spending money, family offices, ultra high net worth individuals. But honestly, I think some of the more institutional investors taking a back, a bigger backstands than they should do. And that is a hindrance that makes our business more difficult, but we actually work re- quite very well in this because we're very good with these family offices. But other than that, I mean, that's a hindrance very right here. So the current crisis is putting like a, a lid on many of the issues of the companies, of course, this business then uh, makes it also of course, uh, a little
0: bit more difficult. Last question is, what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting out of bed every morning to fight the good fight?
1: What always excites me is, again, to work with entrepreneurs and to see their businesses developing and to see when they have success. And to help them to grow it further, it's very stimulating. And it's also very stimulating every day to be challenged by new business proposals and new business ideas where you need to wrap your head around, even if you think you have a lot of experience, but they all come with new ideas. So this constant stimulation and working with entrepreneurs and seeing their success and be a part of it is just very motivating. Excellent.
0: Well, I don't blame you. You are on the frontier uh, of something that is emerging and going to change the way we do almost everything. So thank you very much for taking this time to speak about it. And I appreciate uh, everything you've had to say. And hopefully everybody finds it just as enlightening. And best of luck.
1: Thank you very much, Jason. and, uh, And stay healthy in this environment.
0: So that was my interview with Heinrich Zettelmeier. I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you found the number of applications that are being found for the use of blockchain in lightning. As I said before, it is hard to underestimate just how much this is going to change the way business works in the background. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever to see your podcasts. Until next time, take care.